0: Well hello there. Uh, I know it's been a while since we have had any messages and uh, I just wanted to uh, bring one to you. Uh, we haven't been meeting on Wednesday nights because of all this you know, coronavirus stuff and so I just wanted to uh, bring you a message that will hopefully bring some, um, some encouragement, some joy uh, to you. This is actually a message that I had the privilege to share. Uh, a couple of years ago at a uh, youth uh, winter retreat. And I thought it was very important that I share this message uh, with everything that's going on today. So uh, if you have your Bibles, open them to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. We're going to read a few verses. And the title of this message is Joy in All Circumstances. Joy in All Circumstances from the book of Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 4 through 13. And in these 10 verses, um, I see five things that Paul is presenting to help believers have joy in all circumstances, and and I really feel that it's uh, very important that we share this message today. So let's read from God's Word and find uh, the truths in Scripture. So. Philippians 4, verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I'd like to pray before we get started. Jesus, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for uh, providing us this, um, this message, God, from, from Paul to the Philippians. I just thank you that it was recorded, that it was saved, that we have it to, to read and to learn from uh, today. And, and Lord, I just pray, God, that right now in our the way that our world is and our, circ- our circumstances, that we uh, figure out and learn that we don't look to our circumstances and to our situations for peace, but we look to you and Lord, I just pray that uh, what we're about to, to study and to, um, to dive into, that it will just help us to, to see that and to understand that you are the source of all things. And so we love you. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for what we're about to learn. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing that I want us to see here in uh, the book of Philippians is in verse 4. Uh, The the first thing that I see that Paul wants us to to learn is, number one, praise him. Praise him. Praise the Lord. A little bit of background here. Paul is writing this letter to the Philippians while he is in jail. Shocker, right? Because like everything he writes, he's in jail. Um, And most historians believe that this was during a two-year house arrest in Rome. He had a guard with him at all times. Uh, we're not sure if he was just there or if he was chained to Paul, but he was always being watched. He had no privacy and he couldn't come and go as he pleased. So we kind of, you know, kind of like being stuck at home all the time, right? No, uh, no, he he had literally had no privacy. He was, uh, he couldn't go to the bathroom without the, the jailer being right there. Um, and, and all that followed a bogus imprisonment for two years in Caesarea, a shipwreck, and getting bit by a snake. So if 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 you know me, you know I hate snakes. The only good snake is a dead snake uh, because it was the first instrument of the devil. Um, so just just remind you of that. But but all those things, Paul's circumstances, we can all agree were pretty bad. Okay. Yet he says in verse four. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Uh, The word rejoice means full of joy. In other words, Paul is saying, Be full of joy in the Lord always, in all circumstances. Again, I say, be full of joy. So, you know, we look at this and we might say, How? (laughs) How could he say be full of joy? In his crappy circumstances... Or, or how can he how can you tell me to be full of joy in my bad circumstances? See Paul understood a very important truth and this it's this. Our circumstances have no power over our joy. And I'm going to say that again in case you didn't hear me. Our circumstances have no power over our joy. Why? Because joy has a different perspective. See, we often equate happiness with joy, but they really couldn't be more different. See, happiness has to do with what's going on around us. It's affected by our happenings. It it has a horizontal perspective on life. It looks around at our situations, at our circumstances, and it sees the pain, it sees the problems, it sees the shortcomings, It sees the lack of my wants and my desires. It sees a pandemic. Okay. It sees these things. But joy has a vertical perspective. See, joy has to do with my relationship with God and who I am in God. Joy looks up at a loving, all-powerful, sovereign, merciful, grace-filled, good God And focuses on him. True joy is only found in a follower of Jesus Christ. Only someone who has had all their sins completely forgiven, all the sins that I've ever committed, and all my future sins, only someone who has accepted Christ's death on the cross as their atonement for their sin or, or a ransom payment for their sin, only someone who has been rescued from eternal death to eternal life, only a child of God can have this pure, true joy that can stand in the face of pain, that can stand in the face of depression, in the face of death, in the face of uncertainty, in the face of illness, in the face of bullies, in the face of hatred, in the face of Satan himself and say, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. And if you've ever been to vacation Bible school, you've sang that song and you've also sang the verse that says, and if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on a tack. Ouch. Right? Does anybody else? Yeah, I'm sure you remember that song. Anyway, so so why praise him? Why? <laughs> Why do we praise Him? Because what a better way to focus our attention on Him than singing praises to Him, than, than, than telling Him His worth and, and expressing our, our, our admiration, ascribing His Lordship through, through words and through songs. I mean, the Bible is spilling with verses about singing praises to God. In Psalm 717, it says, I will give uh, to the Lord the thanks due to His righteousness, and I will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. Psalm 92, I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. Psalm 96, 1 through 2, O sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless His name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Psalm 104, I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have being. When I was uh, going through some of the, really the darkest times in my life, this was, this was not an easy thing to do. I'll be honest. In fact, uh, I had to force myself to church. And when I got there, I was still hurting. I sat in the back, and and I was sitting in the balcony in the back so no one could see me. (laughs) But when I got there, I was still hurting. But I knew that that was the best place for me to be because being alone was really a scary place to be at that time in my life. And and, and even most of the times when I was there, I couldn't sing the songs audibly. (laughs) But I would listen. And I would try to sing and I would end up weeping most of the time, really, just just sobbing. And and as I stopped looking around at my problems and, and at my circumstances and situations, which most of them I put myself in, sidebar, and I started to look up at God and 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 would just praise him as I would look at him. I just it's like I felt I literally felt. His love just wrap around me like huge arms. And, and I just didn't feel worthy of His love and His forgiveness. But He kept reassuring me of His love and His forgiveness. And there's even times now when I, I can't sing. I like, we'll be singing a song and, and I just can't sing because I become overwhelmed and I am just overcome by His goodness we 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 sang this song uh, at camp this year or excuse me last year called Waymaker and and we've done it in church a few times now and and I can tell you that the very first time we uh we were singing this song at camp and and I could sing the verses and then it got to the chorus and I just couldn't I had this lump in my throat and As I'm looking around and I'm seeing God move in a mighty and awesome way, and I'm just reminded of how little we are and and how unworthy we are. And I just saw students who were lost, that came to know Jesus Christ, and that they knew their Father for the first time, And they lifted up their hands in praise and sang, Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. And and all I could do was just stand there with my, my hands up and my head bowed in awe of who God is. Because some of these students were there because they didn't know who their parents were. They were there um, through the foster care program in the state of Florida. And for the first time, they had a father. And you know, to them, a lot of adults made a lot of promises and they didn't keep them. But now they got to meet the promise keeper. And that's humbling. And then we start singing, even when I can't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. You never stop working. You know, you might be in that situation right now where you're stuck at home or whatever the case is and you just don't feel it. But I promise you, He's there. And then we sing a song like Love So Great. It says, your love so great, Jesus in all things. I've seen a glimpse of your heart a billion years, and still I'll be singing, How can I praise you enough? You are the Lord Almighty, outshining all the stars in glory. Your love is like the wildest ocean, nothing else compares. Folks, we praise Him to get our focus off of our surroundings and off of our circumstances and our focus on to Jesus. So number one, we praise Him. Number two, we love others. We love others. Verse 5, it says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. That word reasonableness means gentle or gentle spirit or kindness or considerate and patient. When you think about kindness, considerate, patient, that sounds a lot like 1 Corinthians 13, right? 1 Corinthians 13 is where Paul describes love as patient and kind and does not insist on its own way or is considerate. (laughs) So what is he saying? Let your love be known to everyone. And this is going completely the opposite of what you feel like doing when life is hard and your circumstances suck, right? I mean... We, we typically become very me-centered when things get hard. Uh, self-preservation is what psychologists call it. We, we go into survival mode where we want to protect ourselves from any further harm or pain. And even though we naturally do this, it is more harmful to become self-involved and push away those who love us or not show love to others. And we need to be even more mindful of this right now when we're self-contained and, and quarantined in our homes. we got to be careful that we don't become so self, uh, self-conscious and, and into ourselves that we don't love other people. See, someone once wrote an article and it was titled, How to be Miserable. I'm going to read you an, expert, an excerpt of how to be miserable. Think about yourself. Talk about yourself. Use I as often as possible. Listen greedily to what people say about you. Uh, Another way to say that is keep checking your social media posts for likes and comments. Expect to be appreciated. Be suspicious. Be jealous and envious. Be sensitive to slights. Never forgive a criticism. Trust nobody but yourself. Insist on consideration and respect. Demand agreement with your own views on everything. And, and nowadays it would mean comment on every post you disagree with and tell everyone else how stupid they are and how wrong they are. Sulk if people are not grateful to you for favor shown them. Never forget a service you have rendered. Pass off your duties if you can, and do as little as possible for others. That is how to be miserable. And it's the opposite of what Paul says we should do in just a few chapters before this in Philippians. In Philippians 2, verses 3 through 4, he says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility... Count others more significant than yourselves. It's not about you. I added that part. Uh, Verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interest of others. So yes, buy toilet paper, but leave some from others. Right? That's not in the Bible. I just added that. But basically, Paul displayed this to the people of Philippi when he was with them. In Acts chapter 16, it gives the account of Paul and Silas going there to start the church. Uh, when they get there, they're wrongfully arrested. They're beaten with canes. They're not giving, uh, given a fair trial that they were due. Uh, they were put in the worst part of the prison where they were shackled by hands and feet to a guard. Again, no privacy. No privacy. Uh, They're laying on the ground, probably in urine and and feces, and there were rats there that were probably eating people's faces off. Basically, it was not a good situation, okay? But Paul didn't let his circumstances control his joy or his mission. So he and Silas, at midnight, in the darkest of nights, started singing praises to God. Remember and, and remember the number one point I said? Praise God, right? They're doing it. They're praising God. And there was an earthquake, and all the doors opened, and all the shackles fell off of everyone. At this moment, the guard realized what had happened, and he knew that if, if, if everyone was, was released, that he would be killed. So he's about to kill himself, just to go ahead and avoid that. But Paul stops him. He says, whoa, whoa, wait, wait. We're all here, man. Don't do it and he gets an opportunity to tell him about Jesus, and the guard gets saved, and then his entire family gets saved. And all the other prisoners must have gotten a touch of the gospel power because they stayed there, and saving the guard's life. Every time Paul was in jail, he took that opportunity to send letters to churches sharing his love for them and putting their needs ahead of his own. And it would be really easy... And in fact, we would think it was justified if he was only worried about himself and getting himself out of prison. It's my right to a trial. How dare you put me in jail? Instead, no. He's He he knew that he was supposed to serve others, especially when he was going through tough circumstances and serving those who it were maybe even in worse circumstances than himself. So that he knew and that we knew that our problems seem so small in comparison to how big our God is. He says, The Lord is at hand. This is a, in the biblical series of events, the end times are between Christ's first coming and his second coming, which is basically now. So basically, Paul's saying, We don't have much time. We need to get busy loving people and sharing Jesus with this world before the Lord comes again. And the devil knows this. The devil knows the time frame. So the devil really wants us to get us focused, to get self-focused. If if he can get us to get self-focused, then we won't see the people God has surrounded us with that need to know the love of Jesus and that need his salvation. If Paul would have uh, if Paul would have done this, then that jailer wouldn't have received Christ. His family wouldn't have received Christ, and who knows if the church even would have gotten started in in Philippi. So now if the devil gets you to get so self-focused and and, and and all these problems. Now you're miserable, and that person that is in your life is still not a follower of Jesus. Don't let the devil win. Love others in all circumstances. So number one, we have praise him. Number two, we have love others. And number three, be thankful. Be thankful. Verse six do not be anxious about anything. That word anxious means to worry. So verse 6 says, Do not be anxious about anything. And that's one of those crazy Greek words. That means anything. Worry and anxiety are a plague in our society. Especially right now in our world, with all the things that are going on. Uh, I I read somewhere that uh, on Google that it's been searched 1.3 billion times coronavirus anxiety. 1.3 billion. A a, a 2015 study, and and so this was five years ago, so I'm sure it's even worse now, but a 2015 study by the National Institute of Mental Health estimated that 6.3 million teenagers, that's ages 12 to 17, have an anxiety disorder. This has led to suicidal thoughts and attempts, led to self-harm, either through cutting or burning. It's led to eating disorders like anorexia and bulimia, and teens being heavily medicated in order to complete day-to-day functions. That was just five years ago. And, And some of these are due to chemical imbalances in the brain. That through the common grace of medication and therapy, it can be treated. It is real. And if anyone ever tells you that it's not, that, that mental uh, chemical imbalances aren't real, that that is a lie from the pit of hell. And they should not make you feel any less of how important you are to the Lord. It's real. But many are due to circumstances. Many of these problems are due to circumstances and not knowing how to properly handle them and not knowing where to find or how to have joy. Paul says, don't worry about anything. What about tests? Don't worry about it. What about family? Don't worry. What about what other, thing, other, other people think about me? Don't worry. What about college and my future? Plan, but don't worry. What about the COVID-19? Practice social distance and don't worry. It's like a an old preacher once said, worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. Worry gets our eyes off of God, gets our eyes off that vertical relationship and onto our circumstances, onto the The horizontal plane. Just like when Peter was walking on the water. Think about it. When he was looking at Jesus, all was good. Everything was fine. But then, when he heard the thunder, when he felt the wind blowing and the rain beat against him, and more than likely he felt waves crashing under and onto his feet, and he started being controlled by his fears and his emotions. And when that happened, he started looking around him and he immediately sank. Then he cried out to Jesus to save him, and Jesus immediately pulled him up. And and listen, sometimes we're going to sink. Sometimes we're going to look around at our circumstances and our situations, and it's going to feel overwhelming, and we're going to look at him, and we're going to start to sink. But Jesus promises that he will be there when we call him. Paul uh, excuse me, Peter, when he started sinking, he said, save me. And Jesus didn't say, Peter, I told you, look at me. Peter, listen, you shouldn't have done that. He didn't, no, no judgment. He just reached out and saved him. There's a, an old hymn that goes, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth Will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. Jesus taught on this over in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. Jesus himself says, Don't be anxious about your life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, or about your health or your clothing. He says, Birds are fed daily, but they don't worry about food. The fields don't worry about clothing, yet they are clothed in beauty. And aren't you more important than birds and grass? In, in, chapter, in Matthew six twenty seven, he says, And of which of you, being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? In verses 31 through 34, he says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? What does this mean? Focus on what is most important. Jesus. Focus on Jesus and all the rest will be provided by God who knows what we need. So how do we, how do we remedy anxiety and worry? What do we do? Well, Paul goes on in verse 6 and he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything... In everything, another one of those crazy Greek words that means everything. In everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Everything. That means there's nothing too small, there's nothing too big to bring to God in prayer. It means that God is is not too busy to listen to your needs. He loves you and He cares about your every need. By prayer and supplication. Supplication is a word that means a request or a petition. It means asking God for something. And typically, it means for yourself and for your needs. It's okay. With thanksgiving. Thanksgiving and prayer are the antidote to worry. I'm going to say that again. Thanksgiving and prayer are the antidote to worry. Folks, we have so much to be thankful for. We have been blessed beyond measure with so much, especially in this country. And it's so much, we are blessed with so much that we actually have to make up problems to be worried about. I call those first world problems. For the sake of time, I'm not going to list all the material things that we're blessed with. Instead, we should focus on the spiritual blessings. We are loved beyond our mind's comprehension by the almighty sovereign creator of all things that have ever been and all the things that ever will be. We have access to the throne room to bring our requests to our good, good dad because Jesus provided the one and only way to a right relationship with God. We have been forgiven and made clean from all our sins we've committed and all we will commit. Jesus took on Himself the punishment for the world's sins on the cross, and now we get credit for His life by taking on the righteousness of Christ. We are lavished by grace and mercy and love by our Savior who died for us, even when we were His enemy. We have the words of God at our disposal, the love letter to the world that we can read and explore at any time. We get to spend eternity in the presence of God in absolute perfection with perfect bodies, no more sin, no more pain, no more sadness, no more death, no more cancer, no more hate, no more bullying, no more poverty, and no more devil. There is so much to be thankful for that we take for granted daily. The pastor of of the Church of 1122 has encouraged his church to make a list of things to be thankful for and refer to it when circumstances are tough And, and to list at least one thing for every year that we are alive and to add to it every year on our birthday. And For some, that's a short list, and for some, it's a really long list. And when you go to God in prayer and you start to thank Him for everything on your list, many times, I promise this has happened to me, many times the problems and the circumstances start to become not as big or as important as we thought they are. And that brings us to verse 7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understandings will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God, it's an internal peace that comes only from God and only to a believer and follower of Jesus that has put their hope and trust in Christ. This peace is the opposite of anxiety and worry for a Christian who brings their circumstances to God in prayer with thanksgiving and leaves it there so many times we bring them to the throne and we drag it back with us. We, we, we don't just leave it there for Him. And, and I know it's easier said than done, and it requires a lot of effort. But in the end, it's worth it to trade anxiety for peace, to trade worry for comfort, to trade fear for faith. It says, surpassing all understanding. See, it, defines, it defies human logic. It's beyond all human comprehension. God is infinite and we are finite. Our tiny, puny, finite minds cannot understand an infinite God. And it would literally be a mind-blown experience because our brains would literally explode. In Isaiah 55, 8-9 it says, His ways are above our ways, and His thoughts are above our thoughts. The Bible says that it will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. See this is a mil- guard is a military term of a soldier standing guard protecting and keeping watch. The people of Philippi would understand this term because most of them were former Roman soldiers or military officials. See, they would get what it means to stand guard and to keep watch at all cost and, and its importance. But why do you think it says our hearts and our minds? It says the peace of God will protect our hearts. And our hearts is where our feelings and our emotions come from. And our minds minds is where our thoughts and our actions. So it's going to stand guard for our feelings, our emotions, our thoughts and our actions. And they are important to God. Our feelings, our emotions, our thoughts and our actions are important to God so much so that He sends His peace to protect them from fear and worry and doubt and anxiety and depression. And that peace comes from prayer and thanksgiving. So number one, we have praise Him. Number two, we have love others. Number three, we have be thankful. And number four, focus on positive, focus on the positive. Verses eight through nine, it says, finally, brother, uh, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worth, of, worthy of praise, think about these things. This verse, I, I want to look at it from two different vantage points. The, the first vantage point, I want to look at Think about these adjectives, true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. What is it? They're all positive. Focus on positive things. It's really easy to point out the negative, right? It's easy to lounge in negativity. It takes effort to get out of the negative and focus on positive. Some examples might be like uh, if you're a student uh, or even if you're older and you know this experience that when you break up with someone or you get dumped, it's not easy, right? It's, it stinks. But you don't sit in your room by yourself with all the lights off, right? Social media stalking your ex and listening to some sappy love song or, or this is our song. You know, you don't do that. Stay away from those things. That's negativity. Or, or another example, like some of us may, may know what it's like to lose a pet, right? I mean, that, that's one of the worst experiences ever. All right? It's horrible. And if you're sitting there watching TV and that commercial comes on with like all the dogs and the cats and they're looking all emaciated and they're in cages and Sarah McLaughlin singing in the arms of an angel, right? Like tr- change the channel. Don't watch that. Don't turn on things that are just going to feed the negativity and the depression. Focus on positive. I'm not saying that we don't mourn our losses and we don't allow ourselves to heal, but you don't put yourself in an even worse state of mind by surrounding yourself with negative and doom and gloom. Focus and put your mind on positive things. Uh, This is an old saying, but it's true. What goes in is going to come out. So right now, think about right now. Turn off the news. right? Get off of social media and do something positive. Go for a walk. Exercise. Read. Call a friend or FaceTime. Listen to music. Get up and dance. Just do something. The second way I want us to, uh, the different vantage point, I want us to look at this verse in verse 8 Think about these words again. True, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. All those things, all those descriptive words are all descriptive words for Jesus. <laughs> it's for Jesus. Isaiah 26.3 You will keep him in perfect peace. Listen, Isaiah twenty-six, hundreds of years before Christ. You will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. There is nothing more positive, more fulfilling, more peaceful, more loving, and more complete than Jesus. Putting Him before all things and focusing on Him is not only our worship of Him, but also our source of All joy in all circumstances. We we already mentioned through prayer, but also through His Word. If you just get into His Word, every circumstance, every situation in life is represented in His Word. Even when we read something that that might make us a little uncomfortable, or or maybe it makes us reevaluate some things in our life that we need to change. His word is still, as Psalm 119.103 says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. And then we, we see in, uh, in verse 9, it says, And what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So, so what did Paul do in his life that we should do? What, what are some things that it says that, that the things that you've learned and seen in me do these things? Well, here's just a few of them. I don't have time to go through all of them or this, this podcast would be like, you know, five hours long. We're already getting there. Here are just a few things. Number one, he focused on the gospel. He focused on the gospel. To Paul, this was the most important thing in life. He shared the gospel with everyone he came in contact with, especially those who arrested him and who were dealing harshly with him. You might say, well, what's the gospel? Paul describes it perfectly in 1 Corinthians 15, and I go to this a lot when I reference the gospel because it is so important that you understand what it is before you can even start your walk with Christ. You've got to know what the gospel is and it's in 1 Corinthians 15, verses one through four. Now, I would remind you brothers of the gospel that I preach to you, which you received in which you stand because the gospel not only gets you saved, but the gospel keeps you saved and we need to remind ourselves of the gospel every day and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. In other words, unless you just didn't truly believe. Back to the Scripture. For I delivered to you as a first importance, it was the most important thing to Paul, what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, and He was buried that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. Focus on the gospel. That's what, that's what Paul did. Number two, He put Jesus before all things. Colossians 1:16 through 16-17 says, For by Him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, All things were created through Him and for Him, and He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. Colossians 3, 17, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Paul put Jesus before all things. And the third thing was, be on mission for Christ. Be on mission for Christ. Uh, Paul took seriously what Jesus commanded in Mark 16, 15, and he said, to, uh, he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. He didn't let anything stop him, not even in circumstances. So the first thing, number one is praise him. Number two is love others. Number three is be thankful. Number four is stay positive. And finally, number five, be content be content content means to be satisfied or satisfied with what one is or has not wanting more or anything else john piper says god is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him when he is truly enough we glorify and worship him you know we sing the song Christ is enough for me. Everything I need is in you. Everything I need. Do we really believe that? Is He enough? Just Jesus? Is just Jesus enough? Or is it Jesus and popularity? Or is it Jesus and comfort? Jesus and no problems? Jesus and stuff? And this one might trigger some, some hard feelings. Jesus and healing. Are we satisfied in Jesus and Jesus alone, plus or minus, nothing else? In verse 10 it says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you have had no opportunity. Paul here is thanking the Philippians for their care for him and the support that they've sent him both financially and physically by by sending someone to him see they were giving they didn't hold back and they were faithful as as many scholars believe that this letter was sent several years after he had been there after he had established a church and left they continued to support him financially in uh, sending him the things he needed god provided paul's needs through the philippians faithfulness verse 11 not that I am speaking of being in need. okay. In other words, I'm not telling you this is because I need anything more or trying to get more from you. He says, For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Or, I have learned to be satisfied whatever the circumstances. Learned means that learned normally takes practice. So it's safe to say that Paul had been through any and all circumstances and came to a place of complete satisfaction no matter what. Meaning, it took practice. He had to endure the hardships to learn what was most important and he found complete satisfaction in Christ alone. Verse 12 I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Paul, Paul learned that it didn't matter what came and what went. Living without and living with a lot in pain and in happiness and financial loss and in financial prosperity in any and all circumstances to be satisfied or or to be content. And the thing is, is that people complain and face depression in both circumstances And neither one understands the other, right? If you think about people who are poor or maybe don't have as much, you know, they don't have enough, they can barely get by, it's not fair that others have more, they don't feel they can ever crawl out of or escape their poverty, and they're never satisfied. Then you have people who have too much, they're rich, they they have so much money, it's ridiculous. And they always want more, they want newer, they feel uh, uh, empty without stuff. They find their self-worth and value in possessions or trivial things and they are never satisfied. But Paul just said that he found the secret to being content and the secret to joy in all circumstances. And then in verse 13, he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can do. I can handle all situations and all circumstances and all stages and stations in life through and only through the strength provided by Jesus and my relationship with him. My vertical relationship affecting our horizontal circumstances. I can't handle what life has to bring on my own. I can only get through life by the strength of Jesus. I'm going to say that again. I can't handle what life has to bring me on my own. I can only get through life by the strength of Jesus. And sometimes it may be I can only get through this month or this week or today or the next hour by the strength of Jesus alone. You may feel uh, like I do at times, that, that, that you're so weak, that, that you've gone through so much. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians twelve nine through 10 But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content or I am satisfied with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You are in the perfect place for Christ to reveal His power through you and show the world the peace that passes all understanding from the Prince of Peace that brought peace between us and God. And one day we will live in perfect peace with Him. Nehemiah 8:10 says, "Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength." So what's the point? The point that I've been going on for the past 50 minutes, the point is Jesus is the source of strength to have joy in all circumstances. Jesus is the source of strength to have joy in all circumstances. Paul, of course, is a great example. But I want to, uh, to share another example, and more, more contemporary example of what that means, that Jesus is the source. Horatio Spafford was a successful lawyer and a businessman in Chicago. He was married to his wife, Ann, and they had five children, four girls and one boy. In 1871, their one son died from pneumonia. And the same year was the great Chicago fire that took much of their business. He recovered somewhat from the fire business wise. On November 21st, 1873, his wife and their four daughters were on a ship sailing to Europe. He was supposed to be on board, but business kept him in America and he'd have to follow them. During the voyage, his family's ship collided with another ship and began to sink. Anna prayed with the girls that God would spare them if it be his will or make them willing to endure whatever awaited them. What kind of faith does it take to say that? The boat sank and only Anna survived. All their children were gone. She wired Horatio when she got to Europe these words, Saved alone, what shall I do? Saved alone. What shall I do? One of the survivors, a pastor, recalled that Anna said, God gave me four daughters, and now they've been taken from me. Someday I'll understand why. Horatio got on a boat, started to come and be with his bride. As they passed over the area, the same place that his daughters sank to their death, he wrote the following song. When peace, like a river, attendeth my way, When sorrows, like sea billows, roll, Whatever my lot, Thou hast taught me to say, It is well, it is well with my soul. It's a very well-known song. And you might say, well, what gave him this peace? What gave him the peace in his heart to be able to write those words? As he went over the same water that his children were lost forever, what made him believe this? I believe verse 3 of this song tells us why. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. Jesus is the source of strength to have joy in all circumstances.